but it was with danger. I left that October, my life insurance on the kitchen counter for my wife, uh, one a stranger here, uh, and in case she needed it. And now I tell people it's always a good trip when I come back from Kenya alive. For the time that God wants us to be. How do we turn that on? Push the button. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. The mission works so far in four years in Kenya. In 2019, we began with one solid, truthful congregation of the Lord's body in that area. And in four years, the Lord has brought forth now 30 congregations. The church is now known from the people all the way up to the president of Kenya. That's important. Jesus makes a way where we can question whether the, how this ever be. Preacher I uh, was visiting with that I know from Mount Pleasant, he turned around and he asked me, he said, what qualifications did you have to develop a peace plan? And I said, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> and I thought for a while. Two weeks later, I came back and I said, Drew, I had the same qualifications Noah had to build the ark. Same qualifications Moses had to lead the children out of Egypt. Same qualifications Jonah had to be second unto Pharaoh. That is, I rely upon God. When you rely upon God, you can look for the doors that God opens up and you step through them with faith. That's important. You may not always step through perfectly, but you present a perfect Savior. You present the light of all the world. Last trip alone, 65 baptisms have taken place during the time I was there. I am humbled to plant and water. It's not about me. The Word of God says He gives the increase. Our response is to plant and water, and we have the greatest seed known to all mankind, that is the Word of God. I teach the gospel, and I teach Bible authority. Simple as that. Because with Bible authority, you can refute any false doctrine that comes our way. With the gospel, you have the power to save. We have an area that... Nine orphans had came from a village in the DR Congo. And they're from age 7 to 13. And Brother Rooney and his small congregation from two years of age have taken under their control to care for them. These people live on an income between 10 U.S. dollars and 20 U.S. dollars per month. Indeed, poverty. But out of poverty comes the love of God. Jesus, uh, James says that religion is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is that we visit the orphans and the widows 
in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I want you to focus affliction. How many have ever known someone that had a house fire? You think that's a tragedy because they lose a bunch of stuff that, Lord willing, they live. These children escape from Congo, losing their families, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, grandparents, a tribe that they were growing into, that they were part of, a nation that they were a part of, everything except for the shirt and pants and clothes they had on their body. But with God's help, they crossed a river that had hippos and crocodiles and survived. They came through a jungle that had lions and survived. And then they came across Brother Rooney, the gospel preacher. Brother Rooney and his wife have five children of their own. People ask me, if they're so poor, why do they have that many children? I have a sense of humor. So what I tell them is, when you live in a house that has no electricity and the sun goes down, you've got to do something at night. <laughs> the adults understand what I'm saying. But the reality is, death is so prevalent among the young people, they want to have offspring that will care for them when they are old. But Brother Rooney and his wife, having a five children already, said, we'll take five more. Another gospel preacher said, we'll take four more for them. And they began to care for them, and the congregation, two years old, two Christians, two years old, would come, and they would help, they would help wash clothes and care for them, all they could. The young people live in a herd of nine now. And the reason that had to take place was Uganda government came to his small house and said, you cannot have this many kids in this house. If we come back and you still have them, we will arrest you. So we went to look for options. We were already discussing the cost of transport uh, to church and back from church every week of the different four from one place and not five from the other. And when we looked at renting a larger house that they could all go to, we settled on that. Every evening, Brother Rooney and his five children walk to this house from theirs, and they have a devotional. I played for the group last night that made me at home, I tell you. Uh, the Brazils and the preacher and everyone... I came away, and this morning I texted them. And I said, we felt very much at home. They said, that's what we plan on. Thank you for that. And they they sing this song that's uh, kind of melodic. And it gives strength. It gives encouragement. It also helps the children learn a language that they don't know a lot of. If I told you all Jumbo, how many of you all would know the meaning? Now, there's one man here that I said Jumbo to, and he knows now that it means hello in Kenya, in Swahili. Three years earlier, a village from the DR Congo again was slaughtered, and at Kitaswamba Church of Christ, 26 kids were there at the door of the church. The community knew the church so well 
they said, go wait here at the door. They will help you. And the church came, and they brought them in. They had worship, and then they divided the kids up among Christians. There were, there were apartments that were too small that they owned, houses that were too small, didn't have enough bedrooms, and we helped build bed bedrooms back then to give the room. But they took them in. The congregation is thriving now. Young people, young men that are going through this will one, be, one day be very strong preachers for the Lord because they have seen what it's like on the other side. The first day the nine orphans were in a place of rest, they slept on the floor. They had no beds. And once we got this bigger house, we then bought beds and mattresses, and the young people said, what's this? And they're on tribal dialect. They had never had a bed before, never had a mattress. And so as they sat patiently trying to get themselves figured out, they started feeling a sense of peace. Every week when these nine kids walk to church with Brother Rooney, they tell Brother Rooney, we're going to see our family. A beautiful description of the Lord's body is a family. These children had literally lost everything. We have brought in sisters in Christ. I, I made the comment sisters, and they were afraid I was meaning maybe Catholic nuns or something, <laughs> but sisters in Christ, fellow Christians, to tutor them so they could start to learn. And they have to emotionally change because if, if you can imagine the impact of seeing your entire family slaughtered with machete, the impact is tragic. They have to have time to heal. And so we have them being taught in the home. The home is big enough for the bedrooms for them, as well as big enough that we could tutor them. And the landlord was nice enough to leave a couch and two chairs. They quickly found a place of refuge there. Had a security wall around it. This is Simon over here. He's seven years old. He had a reaction to some of the food. And it turned out when they did blood tests, he has sickle cell anemia. Never seen a doctor. Didn't know he had sickle cell anemia. But we know now, and he has to have special food diet in order to try and do well. In third world countries, sickle cell is about 15 to 16-year-old age lifespan. He is not expected to live past that. So we are helping Simon to look and learn and understand his life right now. Another young man had an illness, and we had to get him to the hospital for care, and he's doing better now, too. I am due to see these nine kids this trip that I leave June 7th for. It is important that they understand the love of God, that we teach Christ and him crucified. We teach that... He came to give us a life more abundant. Now, they can understand, in a way, in their concept, more abundant, is they didn't have a bed, and now they have a bed. 
They may have only had one meal a day, and now they have three meals. And by the way, they eat a lot. <laughs> they do. But more than that, they learn the love of God. That's important. The landlord left the couch and chairs, and they quickly made use of the couch and chairs rather than the floor. The beds, they said, what's these? And they explained, that's what you're going to sleep on, the nets, so you can stay away from the mosquitoes. And so now the kids sleep at night without fear of mosquitoes and enjoyment of a mattress and bed for the first time in their life. Anyone in here not have a bed and mattress? No. See, this is a new experience for them. This preacher came down to worship with them, and they were excited. These are the kids sitting outside their new home. Last June, when Belinda and I were there, as Kenya and then Uganda, and we were getting ready to fly out, two little young people looked at me, and they were poking at each other and laughing and talking. And I thought, oh, first white man they've seen. I was wrong. One of the twins loudly proclaimed, Santa Claus! Yeah, when you're two and a half months out in the mission field, you look like Santa Claus. <laughs> so uh, to the elders of the congregation, if you're an elder here, raise your hand so I know who. Two, three, be proud. <laughs> You're shepherds over a flock. And if you want me to come right after I come back, want me to look like Santa Claus, let me know I won't shave or get a haircut. I don't get a haircut in Kenya because they cut hair about an eighth of an inch off the scalp and then they do designs. And all I can think of is sunburns. But these kids at the house has a security wall. And that's helpful to them. They, they feel comfortable, but they're always in that pack of nine. They don't ever get out of that. And I've made arrangements with Brother Rooney to have them come for an ex exercise where they walk as nine over to the hotel I'm at. Then I'll surprise them. They know me. I send videos to them quite often greeting them, sharing with them the love of God, sharing with them the Bible, and Brother Rooney does the translation. This is Navasha. Navasha is a congregation where uh, Sister Tabitha was in that town and no Church of Christ was there. And she was sitting at a denomination and didn't like the worship because she knew it was in vain. They they weren't doing it right, and she messaged said, Brother Kaufman, can you come here and do some teaching? So we did. And from that, we had another sister in Christ baptized there. But the congregation till last January, this last January, was all women. So we had a teacher, Sister Tabitha. She said, how do we worship if there's no man that's going to be able to come preach? And I said, well, like ladies' Bible class, you will be teaching because you're the oldest Christian there. Sister Tabitha has a history. She had 
a time that during COVID, they had lost their jobs and they had ate their last food. And then Peter, our first Anglican preacher that was obedient to the gospel, came knocking at the door and asked if they would like to have a Bible study. They said yes. And from there, 10 hours later, they agreed that they wanted to be baptized. Now, this may sound strange to you because you have a baptistry right back there, don't you? They waited till the next morning because in Kenya at night, hippos, crocodile, and black mambas come out in the water. And is there anyone here that would like to baptize someone among hippos, crocodile, and black mambas? No? <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I don't do any of the baptizing because the Bible says teach, baptize, and teach. We require the local preacher to be doing the follow-up teaching in Noah. And so they came. he came the next day and he was ready and they were ready and they baptized Christ. And then we learned the man that she was with was not her husband. And then we learned that she, her life started changing. And Peter talked to, came by and talked to her, and she was just on cloud nine, I'll say. We know that phrase. And he asked, could he get a cup of water? She said, it's in the kitchen, which is right behind a sheet hanging. And so he went to do that, and he noticed they had no food. And he asked, how long have you been out of food? She said, the morning before you came, we ate our last meal. And I had woven a hangman's noose that I was going to hang my daughter and myself in that hangman's noose because I did not want my baby to die of hunger. But after the study, I learned there is yet life. And that has brought me joy. And so from there, she turned around and she said, I don't know other way to say it than Christ has changed my life in perspective of things. Peter sent word, we sent food, and life moved on. She finally got a job teaching. If there are any teachers here, they teach for $100 a month. Okay, I think teachers that are here probably make more than that. And from there, she started getting threats from this man. He said, I'm going to kill the child, so you'll have to come back to me and we'll have another baby. She said, no. He said, I'll kill you. And then he said at one time when the police were there at the phone, and they said, you come here, we will arrest you. The Word of God talks about the seed that fell on good soil and bad soil. That's a clear example. Sister Tabitha took on building this congregation, praying daily for a man to be there to preach. But until that time, she would teach, and she would serve the Lord's Supper, and she would pray, and the congregation grew. And last January, 
we had a man named Moses, young man, whose wife was not a Christian, was at the congregation. They had just moved there. And we talked, and through the process, his wife obeyed the gospel. And I sat down with him, and I said, Moses, I will send you studies. I'll work with you. But the gauntlet is passed to you. You will be the preacher at this congregation. This morning when I woke up, I woke up to a, a two men shaking hands, and Tabitha sent the message, we now have two men. And she was joyful, joyful over it. The congregation is growing. And no, Moses is not the brother of Aaron. Any of y'all study history? Not that one. But Tabitha asked me a question. And I, I will honor her request. If there are any single young men, <laughs> Tabitha said she would love to have a husband that's faithful to the Lord. Okay, she's a wonderful girl. That's her right there on the left. I have her email address and number. <laughs> okay. We have classes all the time. Every chance we have, we take an opportunity to teach. A class normally costs around $185 to $200 because many times we're renting a place. We have to travel by fuel uh, to get there, and then we have to pay food and water for those that are there. And then because they've got themselves there, we have to get them back to their work. They've missed two, three, four hours of class, uh, of work to be at the class. This group I was talking to, and the one in the purple right there, just to my left, is Gabriel. He is our second Anglican preacher converted. He had come to ask questions. And at the end, he and his wife and two granddaughters were baptized. He told the young Anglican preacher that they were going to become Christians today. The young Anglican preacher said, well, perhaps we ought to ask our senior pastor. Go up the ladder. <laughs> and Gabriel said, I have heard from God. What more can man add? We will become Christians today. And after being baptized, he went back to his land. He had him cut some trees down, saw them in boards, and turned around and built a building on its own for the church at Matura Church Christ to begin with. What a wonderful start. They hear the word, and they understand they must speak the truth, but in love. They must share the gospel because they are the words of life. These people were talking to me about the peace initiative, and I, was, I told them, I said, now I will not force you to convert because Christ did not die for us to force people. But he gave us words of life. I said, I'm a missionary with Church of Christ. I will share with you Bible. I will share with you book, chapter, and verse, and I will plead with you to listen to Christ and obey the Christ. There's more classes. This one right here uh, to the bottom is one that began from a sister that died four months after giving birth. She had a brain aneurysm, and it burst, and she died. And they sent word to Joseph. They wanted me to come take part in the sermon, in the burial process. 
that's an honor. And so as I got there, some denominational preachers were kind of running the show, and they came up to me looking at me and said, you have three minutes. Three minutes. And so I thought, and the paper about her said she was a staunch member of the Church of Christ. Staunch. And so I picked up on that. I said, my time is three minutes. I'll probably be two minutes, two and a half. I said she was a staunch member of the Church of Christ because it's the only church Christ built. He said in Matthew 16 18, he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. It began on the day of Pentecost, and we know because Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord was adding to his church daily such should be saved. And I looked at him, I said, Can you have a cup of coffee if you don't have a cup? No. I said, The difference between the church and a denomination is Christ began the church. Christ built it. Christ designed it. Christ placed it in order. Man creates denominations. And the question to you then is, can man do something better than God? No. So we took that opportunity, and after the burial, Joseph came up to me and said, the family would like to talk to you about the church. We had a number of studies. We had a number of them that were baptized, and even more continued to be baptized. It took one's death and conviction to Christ to open a door for people to have life. That's powerful. Powerful. People wish that she still lived, but at the same time, they realize if she had not passed away, they may not have ever heard about the church the way Christ intended. Up top is another class we had. We, we will gather people all together. The one in red right there that blends with me, that's Joseph. He is my driver everywhere I go. Joseph is there. The congregations decided to encourage other congregations, and some of the congregation, some members from one congregation, will some will stay, and some will go to another congregation, and they'll gather together a larger number just to encourage small congregations to do good. And it's helpful. It's strengthening the body, edifying. This right here is Kwanji Church of Christ. It began about a year ago. And it's about 40, 45 people packed into that room. And they are about to split. Not because they don't like each other, but because there are some members there that are walking 15 kilometers to get to church. And they said, now it's time to start a campaign over there and let's start another congregation. That's spiritual growth. Down at the bottom, we're going to sing a song in a little bit. It's okay? You can't stay because you're one elder and the other elder's okay? Yeah, I'll take that as a yes. And it's called Building Up the Kingdom. I sing that with all the kids like that. That's why they're up like that. I'm not holding them up. They're singing that song. And I want you to understand that's what we're doing. We're building up the kingdom of our Lord. We have classes everywhere we can. Sometimes we have classes just out under trees. Sometimes we have classes with people on the road. God did 
not say you have to have a building to have a class. You just have to have people willing to listen and hear the Word of God. This is Kwanji. They're upstairs. They just come down for the, the visit. And that's Peter in the white shirt there. He, every Sunday, he preaches for three congregations. He rides his motorcycle, worn out a couple of tires already. But he rides the motorcycle to each one and preaches, and they are growing. There's Kwanji right there on the right. That's Joseph. We were at a school, and we had time with the students. Then they sent the students to the classrooms, and the teachers came to the room, and we had a study. About an hour study. The children were well behaved. Last June, Belinda was with me, and we went to a school of 1,500 students. We visited with them. We led the song, Building Up the Kingdom. We talked to them about Jesus. They went home telling people they had met a Mzungu. And then I would do what I normally do. I'll start out high five and fist bump. And then when I got to the administration building, looked behind, Belinda wasn't behind me. I looked out in the wave of children. Belinda was there and porridge was going everywhere. And she finally got to the building and she said, it's a miracle. I don't have anything on me. But the kids love knowing that people love them. I told her, in order to go, you have to commit to two things. There was actually a third one that arose. Hug and be hugged, then take selfies. They love selfies with Mzungus. Sister Frances. Sister Frances died at 101 years old. She did not know how to read and write. I didn't know them for a number of years that I was there. And I'll let the elders puzzle over this. You know what I'm going to say. She, one morning, woke up with a vision and wrote down on a piece of paper. Remember, she had no education wrote down on a piece of paper, there will be a Mzunga, a white man, and he will be dressed in white pants and purple shirt. He will begin with a class. He then will teach a lesson. He will speak the truth. And she told her son, Francis, listen to him. Came over to Kenya, didn't know anything about that. Joseph had scheduled in my deal this one place to stop in and teach. I wore white pants, purple shirt. I was a Mazunga. I began with that group with questions to see where they were spiritually. And then I taught to them words of life. Then afterwards, we went over to her house right across from where the chickens and so forth were, and she was serving us tea. And she messaged for them to get this book off the shelf. There was this letter that she had written, and Joseph read it to me. I said, read it again. Purple shirt, white pants, began with questions, and then taught the truth. Listen to him. I asked Leon, I said, Leon, how do you explain that? 
Providence? <laughs> Don't know. But that happened. And she obeyed the gospel, and she was so well-respected, when she passed away, the preachers from the area came to give reverence to Mama Frances for a door that she opened in a way that no one knew. And the church at Airport Church of Christ began and is continuing to grow. We will go to members' homes. We'll bring food to them, rice and beans and so forth. And they're not fancy homes like we have. They're mud and stick buildings sometimes. Sometimes it's a little one-room apartment. But we know when they have hunger that we help take care of them. We have street kids. And we stop in every time I stop when I'm in Nairobi with the street kids. And I told... Patrick, who teaches the street kids, I said, they have improved greatly. And he said, how do you know? I said, because I still have my phone. <laughs> street kids, if they steal a phone, they can sell it, and they'll have three to five days of food. It's survival mode. And I said, I still have my phone. They're doing really good now. And so we are continuing to work with them. They have street kids because their parents died in COVID. No one was there that would take them in, and they go on the street. There are street moms that become pregnant as teenagers, and the parents throw them out of the house. They give birth to a child, and they live on the street. But they are souls needing to be taught. There they are. We have Bible studies sometimes in individual point. We went down near Uganda. We teach was the King James as a standard for areas if they can read English. Otherwise, we buy in their dialect and we share passages that are incorrectly translated. But this lady was cooking. That's her oven right back there in the corner. And when we said we want to study the Bible, she left and went to the other room, and then she came back out with her Bible. And every passage we read, she went to the Bible that is so. And then on that trip, we met two Muslims. And I sat down and talked to them. You can make an enemy of a Muslim, or you can entertain them in a study. Word of God says, come now, let us reason together. And so I didn't debate who Christ is. I just said, let's talk about the greatest prophet ever known. That's Jesus Christ. I looked at his prophecy about the church. I looked at Acts 2 when it began. And from there, we started studying. I said, now, if you want to know more, we're studying again tonight. They came. And they were baptized into Christ. They're now no longer Muslims, but brothers in Christ. This is a, a school I was at, and the teachers during our study and they said, is there anything you can help us with right now? I said, yes, you need to get a stick to support that table because it's about to fall. And they said, well, thank you. <laughs> but they learned of the gospel. This is the area we were doing the campaign in. Truckers will come and it will sometimes take them one to two days to get across the border. It's a very busy cross-section between Uganda and Kenya. 
again, you teach, you take every opportunity you can to present the Christ in a way that will make an impact. And they enjoy it. They'll look for me when I come back. They went home from the green, the school in the green, they went home and told their parents, we found a Mzungu. And we gave fist bump and he sang a song and we learned the song and then they sing the song to them. And doors get open to study. I told Belinda I would not miss our anniversary, June 6th. So I leave June 7th. <laughs> for Kenya, and I'll get back around June, uh, August 10th. Then in August, Belinda will come with, uh, October, Belinda will come with me for a month, two weeks at each country, helping to reach the lost. If you can't stand up, don't. If you can, I want to teach you this song. It is called Building Up the Kingdom. Do you know the song? You'll learn it. You have to have building blocks. And it's like this. We're building up the kingdom, building up the kingdom, building up the kingdom of the Lord. Oh, brother, won't you help us? Sister, won't you help us? Building up the kingdom of the Lord. It's so high, can't get over it. So low, can't get under it. So wide, can't get around it. You must come in at the door, and the door is Jesus. Isn't that simple? Now, some of y'all have underestimated the wall because it's not so high. It's so high. I did watch that. I won't say who did that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's try it again. We're building up the kingdom, building up the kingdom, building up the kingdom of the Lord. Oh, brother, won't you help us? Sister, won't you help us? Building up the kingdom of the Lord. It's so high, can't get over it. So low, can't get under it. So wide, can't get around it. You must come through at the door, and the door is Jesus. Have a seat. If you were younger, I would be doing it faster. <laughs> They love it faster. But it is a way that we can share the word of God for the church that Jesus built. Share that it's wide. Share that it's too high for us to climb out. The only way to get out is through Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus said, I am the way the truth in life. No man comes to God except they come through me. That's the power. Power. We thank our Lord for giving the blood of Christ. We thank our Lord for giving us life eternal. But let us not forget to step through the doors that God opens for us. That in faith, Reliance not on what we can do, but what God will do through us. If he asked me to build an ark, I would question. I don't know how to build. But I took the opportunity to build a peace plan. 
I prayed earnestly for hours and hours that month about wisdom. And as things started fitting together and presented to the chiefs, it began a workable plan to the glory of God. Brethren, I tell people now that Kenya is always a good trip when I come back alive. Because there are some times you're in danger and you just have to face it. Psalms 23 means so much more to me now. As God protects, God guides, God strengthens, God encourages. Those young people that crossed the river, I don't know how they made it over with the hippos and crocodiles and they happened not to be at that moment except the providence of God. That they made it through a jungle and no lions got them. Providence of God. But they found Brother Rooney and Christians that in their poverty were willing to help. They have a lot of needs as their life is being changed, as they're being redirected to the Lord. There is a need. It's even more so that we have an opportunity to teach them about the Christ, that through him, their lives can be changed for all eternity. To the congregation, I appreciate the help you render. It is not to my glory. It is to Christ. The doors open. Look for the doors that God opens for you. Look for the challenges that you never thought you would do. How many ever thought you would develop a peace plan in a world that you weren't part of? Anyone? I didn't. But Christ is our strength. Christ is our stay. Christ is where the glory belongs. From the Ugandans, my name is Paul Mazaraka, which means the third son of my father. They would say, Wasinja. Thank you. From the Kenyans, I am Paul Mwangi, a tribe member, chief of a tribe. I'll tell you briefly about that, because that sounds big, but the chief said it's not right that we're all chiefs and you're not, so you will be chief of the Mzungu, chief of the white men. And I looked around and said, well, I'm the only white man here. And they said, you're still chief of the Mzungu. And so my name by the MCA said, you are in this county, you're part of this tribe, you are of this tribe, you are Mwangi. It's a point of respect and honor. And I'm thankful. So you can call me Mazraka, you can call me Mwangi, you can just call me Paul. Or Chief. My wife has a way of keeping me humble. She messaged me one day, she said, Paul, you're becoming important to Kenya, where the president, deputy president, members of parliament, members of the Senate, governors know you by name. Don't get a big head. Only a wife can help their husband stay humble. 
but the love of God can pass all understanding. We can take our lives when they're broken, and God will heal us. God will reassemble our lives. God will redirect our lives. And that's what we're doing with these nine kids and the 30 kids at Pittasquamba. And it's not cheap. When you have children, you know children eat a lot of food. And I guarantee those nine eat a lot of food. <laughs> but it came from they're not having food before. It came from them having just a meager tent to live in and a floor mat or dirt to sleep on. It came from having one set of clothes and reaching out where they didn't know. And now they learn about Christ. They know the body of Christ is the church. And they walk to church and they say, we're going to see our family. What a beautiful vision of the body of Christ, our family. To the elders, thank you for an opportunity to bring this message. If any have questions, what time is it now? It's time. You have something coming, so if you have questions, I'll be out there, ask, and I'll be glad to talk. Uh, they have my email address. Email me. And I'll be glad to talk. The work of the Lord is a beautiful thing. The words of one in Grindy, uh, Kenya, it was a lady that said, finally, salvation has come to Kenya. Salvation. From the blood of Christ to all humanity. God bless you. Asente and wasente. Well, we want to thank Brother Paul for his work and his efforts. Um, it's a special commitment to go into places like this uh, with the danger involved uh, on the other side of the world. And so we appreciate your efforts, and we'll be continue to uh, pray for you. If there's anybody who has a need at this time, whether the prayers of the congregation or to put Christ on in baptism, you can come now. Together we stand while we sing. What will you do?